functionality has always been a huge component. It's easy to do the pretty stuff. It's, I think, a lot harder to have to stop and think about how do people live and how do people want to live. When you have a successful business and you want repeat clients, that's what they remember. Hi, I'm Caitlin Peterson, the Editor-in-Chief of Business of Home. Welcome to Trade Tales. As we kick off our fourth season of the show this month, we're going to be talking about finding purpose. If that sounds overwhelming, stay with me for a minute. Because if you're here, you already know that creative entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. What I've taken from the conversations I've had this season is that defining your purpose can be as simple as a shift in perspective. It can be a personal pursuit or a team-wide effort. It can be about the work you do for clients or your impact on the world at large. No matter what, it's about finding new meaning in your work and how that's always worth the effort. Along the way, I'll still be asking designers about all of our favorite topics, from nurturing creativity and finding your firm's financial footing to discovering your own definition of success. And it all starts with my guest today, a designer with a pretty unique claim to fame. She's hired three of her former clients as employees. She explains why they all wanted to work for her once the project's wrapped, and how they each brought invaluable insights from other industries that turbocharged the business's growth. We also talked about what it feels like to step away from the work you love in order to expand your team, and which roles to hire first if you want to get that growth right. I can't wait to share it with you. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Universal Furniture. Your outdoor retreat awaits. The brand's stylishly serene coastal living outdoor collection features over 75 pieces of casually sophisticated silhouettes paired with premium durability to make your patios, decks, and outdoor havens an instant oasis of style. Plus, you can save up to 10% on in-stock outdoor items now through August 17th. Visit universalfurniture.com to browse items and find a participating retailer near you. This episode is also sponsored by Maison Objet, which has been celebrating and uniting the international community of decoration and design since 1995. Its mission? To reveal talents, foster the exchange of new ideas, keep the industry inspired, and help businesses find new opportunities for growth. With two annual trade shows held in January and September, Maison Objet Paris gathers more than 60,000 visitors and 2,300 exhibitors at each edition. This September, Maison Objet invites you to rediscover exalted hedonism and sets off on a quest of pleasures with its new theme, Enjoy. Find the complete program of events and get your badge at maison-objet.com. That's M-A-I-S-O-N-O-B-J-E-T.com. When I was a very young child, I started really drawing floor plans and 
loved rearranging my room. My dad was an artist and my brother was an artist and they taught me how to draw and it was a constant yearning to learn how to do what they do. When I was going to college, my mom actually was like, you like to rearrange your room, you like drawing floor plans, there's a program out there, you can actually do this for a living. And I was like, wait, what? It was a college visit. So I went into the school and saw all of these amazing renderings and I was like, what is interior design? This is awesome. It was literally like love at first sight. <laughs> That's Reagan Baker. When she enrolled in the design program at Texas Tech University, she embarked on four years of hands-on experience, including one pivotal summer that made her vision of a dream career that much clearer. So I had met my now husband at the time, and his dad was an entrepreneur, and he had owned like a little motel in Texas in his town. And he asked if I wanted a project to do a project for his little motel room. <laughs> and so I was like, yes, of course, this would be great. When I got the taste of being able to do a project on my own when I was, you know, 21, 20, it really made me say, you know what? I think I can do this on my own and at one day I'm going to be I'm going to be a designer and I'm going to own my own business and I'm going to be big and I'm going to run a company so anyways yeah it was like one of those aha moments where I always kind of knew that I wanted to go into business by myself After college Reagan cycled through jobs in commercial and office design before finally landing the hospitality kit she'd been hoping for From there it wasn't long before her design opportunities multiplied I was like literally so hungry because I was so excited that I was getting to do what I actually wanted to do. And then I was like, I'm working 60 hours a week. What the heck? And I'm getting paid for 40. <laughs> you know, I should be able to do this one day on my own and actually be okay because I work so hard. And so it was that kind of light bulb that went on that I knew I had to drive a passion, a hunger for becoming the best at what I wanted to do. And then basically my husband was uh, friends with some guys and they had started a business together and asked if I wanted to basically be their designer for these like apartment buildings. And that was like my first job. And then my other job was actually here in California where I was like super cheap. I think it was like 65 an hour. <laughs> it was like so crazy. She would fly me down and I would, I did her project. That was the residential. And that's when I, I was like, I've landed <laughs> and it was on my own. In 2007, Reagan officially launched her own design business. I wanted to talk to her about the trade-offs that come with the pursuit of a bigger firm and how sometimes learning to let go is the only way to grow. What was the thing that finally made you quit your day job? I think it was literally the fact that I realized you were working an insane amount of time on this. And so the idea that I could support my husband and I with two big projects mm -hmm. and knowing that I can figure this out on my own. I've, I've got enough knowledge that I've earned and learned from the seven years of business or being, you know, interning, working for people, actually probably more like 10, um, that I was like, this is, this is something I can do. And it was kind of crazy because I was the breadwinner for us for yeah when I started my business, which was insane. <laughs> <laughs> How does that shape some of the decisions that you make as a business owner in the beginning? Well, you kind of have to learn to do everything on your own and you can't hire. You have to say, I can do this and just take on and know that you're just going to have to learn the ins and outs of everything, which I do think is actually important as you begin to hire, knowing what you, um, what you do like to do, what you don't like to do, what you're good at, what you're not good at, and what you should not be doing and your value, kind of what your, what is your value? What do you, what's your best 
asset and and then hire the other stuff out. And how long was it just you? I had a girl who was interested in getting into the industry when I first started out. And she um, was a a wife of a husband who was also at school and um, was wanting to learn and get her feet wet and just do something. And so I was like, hey, do you want to come over and organize my binders? And so she helped me out a little bit. And I actually credit her to, I was like stuck on a spot and I was like, something's funky about this. And she's like, what about an arch? And I was like, oh my God, that's perfect. (laughs) So she was basically there once a week um, when I first started. And then um, we moved here to San Francisco and I was doing my own thing um, for probably the first two years. And I was pregnant with my children. And then um, when I realized I needed somebody was when I came back with children. And I was like, okay, I can't do this on my own anymore. And then um, I needed to move offices. I hired a girl fresh out of college who actually was going into the business. And then I hired another, an intern, and then she became a full-time employee. And then I hired a guy and he was more of a technical guy, draftsman. So this is all over like 2013, 12, 13. I had a stint back to Austin actually between this. Okay. (laughs) And um, it just didn't work out. So nine months later, we moved back. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And that's when I was like, okay, let's build this business. And so I had uh, one person at the time, and then I had three people, then I had four people. And then I hired my, when I hired my fifth person, who was basically kind of a person who, she was a client. And she was like, she used to work Facebook. She's like, um... So I have loved this process and I kind of want to have ideas on how I can help you. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was one of those things where, you know, I'm I'm very serendipitous. And if somebody offers something, I don't, and I'm not the one who has the idea and it throws you off guard, but it feels awesome. You're, I'm always like, wow, this is something I dreamed about that's, you know, maybe in 10 years, but I never thought would actually be a reality that somebody would actually want to do something like this. And so she, um, she did, and I hired her and that's when I really grew, um, from five people to I'm now 24 today. Wow. Yeah. So that, that first client who reaches out to you and says, I have ideas about how I can help you. Yeah. What was her suggestion? What did she think you needed that she could bring to your firm? She's just one of those people who she really grabbed me and was like, you're awesome. I think everybody should know about you. That's so empowering. That's such a great person to have in your corner. Oh my gosh. It is empowering. And I'm like, but you know, and so I think even from the service side, she understood, you know, the questions that she'd ask about billing and all of that stuff. So I, and you know, it's, it's always, you know, worrisome when you hire somebody who it's like airing out your dirty laundry, you know, and you're like, uh, this is not really what I intended, but you know what, this is probably good. Cause she can give value in so many ways where, cause I'm, you know, very service oriented. I want to know what it feels like to be on the other end and how we can improve that always. And so the psychology behind it, um, she was, she has a psychology degree too. And she was able to really help me know my worth and, and then also share that wealth of knowledge of knowing who you are and knowing your purpose and knowing how good you are at something and why we're good at something and to share that with your teammates and perpetuate that behavior and that, you know, passion. Where did you start? What were you unpacking first or what kind of insights did you get from her once she was an employee? 
Um, so probably the biggest um, asset was just kind of understanding how I could take on more work and be more efficient with it. Um, and also understanding like, how to grow. Was she coming from a place of saying, as a client, this had felt inefficient to me? Or was she taking a different approach? Yes and no. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes, as in like, she's like, yes, there's apps out there that actually can do this better. Reagan, you should do this. Um, you should be tracking your time in, with an app. You should be, you know, she really wanted to understand and dive into the operations like the systems piece of it. Kind yes, of? the systems yeah. piece of it and really understand kind of how I could become more efficient with my time. Because I think maybe too, just naturally, I'm always saying, you know, we enjoy what we do, but we also know it's a lot, a long process and we, we like to move things forward. And she, I think, really enjoyed that part of it. And so understanding that the efficiencies piece was kind of a key component to how I work and want to solve problems. She was like, very much aligned. Um, and, you know, I think that her coming in really was just more to better, you know, what we had started something good, but to really make it more organized and to also like understand the empathy behind the clients, but also understand, you know, how to structure a firm. So she worked at Facebook um, for seven, 10 years before she came okay. on. And really was on the, the front end of Facebook. So she knew how to grow a team and she knew how to grow a team smart. Yeah. So, um, you know, you don't just hire to hire, you have to hire for the right purpose and reasons. And, and for me, I was just like hiring, <laughs> you know, yeah. I was like, I just need help. <laughs> no, you, you're a bookkeeper. Great. You know, um, she, which she's still with me as well, which is awesome. But I think that, um, you know, having her knowledge and I think that's what she knew I wanted to grow the business. And she was like, I can help with that. Definitely. Um, and she also loves design personally and, um, yeah, is now consulting for other designers, which is awesome. <laughs> That's great. What was her role initially? What were you hiring her to do technically? Yeah, so she was um, kind of the director of operations and as well as she also worked as a project manager. She also was uh, the marketing uh, liaison between our PR firms um, and I would say when we were smaller, you have to be more nimble. You have yeah. to be able to kind of, it's a plug and play model rather than like a structured model. Now we're much more structured because we, you have to be as you grow. But, you know, the plug and play was, hey, grab this person because we need help on this team. And there were two teams, you know, there are two people on each team. Now we have four people on each project. So she knew how to grab people and understand like the workflow and how we actually in the and how when we needed work you know she was able to facilitate all of that and in I can't even explain to you how amazing <laughs> I was like I don't know how you do this but she just did it you know because she was so good at it I had to let go otherwise I you know we weren't going to grow so she really really taught me that if you want to grow you have to let go <laughs> I feel like that is such a pain point for so many people sort of mm -hmm. at that inflection point, especially at that like, right, like five, six, seven people where it's like, just sticky enough that you're starting to have maybe multiple levels of management or yep. you're like, we're having a meeting so that we can have a meeting. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what was it that made it possible for you to start to take some steps back from some of that, like, day-to-day -day stuff that maybe you aren't involved in anymore. Yeah. So I think what I used to do is I'd get into the weeds of projects. So 
and, you know, even drafting, I would draft, I would, you know, I would do everything. And so because I had the skill sets, because I had to do it for seven years by myself, um, and I had to be a part of that, it was hard to let go because, you know, I was constantly catching things that weren't correct, or I was doing the stuff that I wanted to do and love to do, like all the mood imagery, you know, sketching the first ideas and all of that. So then I, she really helped me pinpoint, understand like what things I wanted to do and what things I should let go. And, you know, as much as I wanted to control everything, I just couldn't. And so basically drafting emails for me, she would draft emails, then I would review them. So I kind of became more of a, a reviewer of the work rather than a doer of the work. And I think that, you know, you have to be careful because you don't want to be constantly, you know, if you're a designer, you're an artist, you want to be a part of that process. And, you know, it's a, it's a passion. And that's why I did this is because I, I love being able to figure out a puzzle and make it happen. Um, but I think what was what was great about um, Allie and and now Lindsay is they literally say you need to find somebody or you need to, you need to let go of this or this is not going to happen if you know you're you're basically a what do you call it, a roadblock for bottleneck yeah bottleneck for everybody and so understanding that I was the bottleneck I just I had to let go and so and then I really understood too that when I let go. I'm also giving opportunities to other people who have are also in my position or have been in my or want to be in my position in the future. And it just really helps th- with their growth and their ownership of the project. And it's more of a collaborative process. And I, I love collaborating. And I think if I'm reviewing work um, and I'm getting to do a few things like, you know, for example, we, I just recently, um, I mean, I'm, definitely pinning um, mood imagery still just to, and we talk about kind of direction of what I think that the client's going to do. And then the senior designers, I've got amazing designers on my team, um, you know, are really, really good also at, at pulling that stuff together. But I just bring in that extra like thought of, hey, do we have a, a picture to show this mood or this, you know, and really kind of curate that um, mood board and imagery. But the sketching of redeveloping like if you have a sketch if somebody's presenting something to you and they you know are busy or they at least start it then I can iterate on top of what they've done or say hey have you thought about this and then I sketch ideas for that and then it's it that's how I have found my way back to um, the design process because you do you kind of have to let go and then you have to figure out what you are missing and then you come back to what you're missing what did mentorship mean to you and how did your approach evolve? So I, mentorship, I think a lot of the times when interior designers come into the, to, to the office at first, it's, it is all about pretty things. And I think my, my purpose at Reagan Baker Design is really for us to know that our clients have hired us for taking stress off of their plates which means, you know, communicating all the time with them, setting expectations, but also designing a beautiful, comfortable home that actually helps them. And so functionality has always been a huge component as a mentor to make sure to not forget, really thinking through holistically on how you live in your home and, um, you know, encouraging, encouraging all of our staff people to really understand that that's actually the the core and fundamental one of the most important core fundamental pieces of what we do as interior designers 
We are taking a quick break to remind you to register for the next edition of Maison Objet Paris, held this fall, September 7th through 11th. This season, Maison Objet will be on a quest of pleasures, proudly displaying the colors, extravagance, boldness, and humor for a re-energized interior. Not to mention an experience that is sure to boost your endorphins. Find the complete program and get your badge at maison-objet.com. That's M-A-I-S-O-N hyphen O-B-J-E-T dot com. How did you design your process and craft the client experience so that it was a positive experience for the client at every touch point? There was a a project that kind of like, in a way, was the moment that was like, okay, uh, we need to f- restructure this thing. And what are we doing <laughs> I wrong? I love these stories, by the way. We're like, there's Great. that one project where yeah. everything went wrong. <laughs> well, it's it was a, a huge learning curve because we had, it was our first project with an, an architect who we were collaborating with like daily. And we had senior designers who, one was leading the communication with the client and one was leading the communication with the contractor. And then we had brought, we brought in an actual project manager, um, which was a game changer. So senior designers used to be in charge of all of that communication and also management of schedule and all of that. And we, we got, we got to find somebody who can help us organize ourselves and manage this and really just own where we're dropping the ball. But I think what it did what we did wrong was emails <laughs> would go from one senior to in the other. And it, it, it looked like we weren't communicating inside internally and that drove me bananas. And it, it happened a couple of times. I was like, all right, guys, this is not working. So, you know, understanding, you know, understanding who the point person was as a communicator and not confusing because you really can confuse a client if you aren't, if you're, you've got multiple people asking questions, even the same questions, you're like, well, how did I answer that already? So it's really important, I think, as a client service to be efficient with communications, to be direct, to not come back to something, to cause chaos and confusion. And it really kind of made me realize that you need one communicator, you need a project design manager on the team who's helping organize everybody really on the team. And then you need a support team of an intermediate and a inner junior that's where we're at today we actually have four people we had two now we have four and it's 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 a game changer how do you find design managers today what kind of people are you looking for to fill that role then you really need a hybrid so somebody who has an architectural background or went to school for architecture and is now an interior designer somebody who is um, very much graphically process oriented so they understand and kind of love standards and process and organization, but also somebody who is very service-driven and client-facing, who can, we used to call this one girl, Crystal, who really kind of defined our our role um, as a design manager, but somebody who can be a closer, somebody who can literally keep the stamina up of the project and end it on a great note, you know, know what needs to be finished to just say, we're done. <laughs> That's hard. It is. It is because these projects can last four or five years sometimes, which, you know, we've, we try to, you know, as one of the things we try to not have a lot of those, we, we try to intersperse because it is, it can be a lot if you have too many large projects. So that's one thing I think 
we do well at RBD is we have smaller projects that we mix in with larger projects so that we can finish things and keep curious, keep um, learning. Yeah. We, we sort of, in that arc of your firm's growth, stopped at that director of operations role in some ways. But, you know, you now have, I think, a team of 24. How fast was that growth or what was the arc of that growth? And how did the structure of the firm evolve as you hit different kind of growth milestones? Yeah. So, so 2007 to 2013 or 14, I did the showcase. That's kind of what put me on the map. And then Ali was hired 2015, 2015 to 20, what was that? 2019. Is that phase two? Phase two. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we went from five to eh, 15. Okay. 12, 12, 15. That's a big leap. Yeah, it's, it is. Um, we learned a lot and it was a pivotal moment for me to sit there and say, do I want to grow anymore? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what am I trying to do? You know? Yeah. What happens when you have that conversation with yourself? What, what were you questioning? To be honest, Allie questioned it. And she was really good about asking me like, what do you want this firm to look like? You know, and it's a hard question because especially whenever you're not sure yeah, when you're just not sure. And I think it's a hard question just because you're thinking you need something and you think that if you grow, you'll be able to let go even more, which is not the case. You actually end up doing, you know, probably less of the things that you want to do. Yeah. And so you think that that's helpful, but you still have to manage the people and you still have to make sure that there's a culture and, a, you know, a, a purpose for everybody. You know, you want to keep people. Retention is, you know, I think a ultimate success. If you keep people, if you, you know, are able to choose your jobs, but all, all to say, you know, the arc, I would say like that was more, yeah, 15 people, but I knew that I had to understand what I wanted to do with the firm. And from there, I've since said, what I want to do is I want to be able to pick and choose projects that I want. And in order to do that, three teams of fully staffed allows me the opportunity to have a project potentially on my plate that I'm able to do and drive forward. So like showcase or a project that maybe in the, in Europe that I've always wanted to do, but it allows me to say yes to those so that we can, we can learn from those opportunities. It gives a fun, you know, culture. People aspire to what they want to do. But I I think I do want to probably stop it. (laughs) Like no more than 30, I think. Okay. 25, 30. We're we're good now. I think it's, it it is an understanding. Like I'm trying to, right now I'm at that point where we've, we've got, we're fully staffed on our, our three teams. Now we're trying to organize like, you know, we office manager, my bookkeeper actually is really is great at, she's been with me forever too, but she's really good at like the office management. We're probably going to combine her role into the bookkeeping, but she also has an assistant now. So, you know, those types of things of like how, as you grow, you learn that you need more roles and responsibilities specified otherwise. And you're not going to grow. You're not going to be able to be organized. You're not going to be able to tell, you know, how to, you're not going to be able to literally check, check progress. Like how here's a goal and, and this is your responsibility and check in regularly. 
what what does it take from you to really formalize those roles and formalize what everyone is individually responsible for? I think that starts out <laughs> a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It's very loose and you know, it's I'm kind of a loose person at first and I was like, "Oh wait, yeah, I need to understand like you really need to kind of set these things down." And so when you're even developing your job descriptions, that's actually a great time to think about roles and responsibilities and what you need and what are we really hiring for? And sometimes you have to go back to those because you have hired somebody and either the role has evolved and changed because you need something different out of the role that you thought, or you say, this isn't working, but how can we make it work? But you're, you're constantly, it is a constant kind of, especially as you grow, you understand, you, you understand people have different strengths and how to be nimble and be able to bring people who can help with that. Within that framework, you know, within those job descriptions, how do you create space then for everybody on the team to stretch their skills, to learn, to grow, to get promoted? How do you design in some ways, you know, or how are you sort of the architect of that structure as you grow? Having checkpoints, so one-on-ones regularly um, are huge for people to be able to give feedback and understand kind of what things are working, what things aren't working for them well, or how things need to be shifted. And so I do meet regularly with my senior designers, people I manage and um, everybody else on the, we call them the A team. Um, (laughs) And then all of the senior designers are actually managing their team of designers. And then you have the design managers and I have a design uh, director now, um, Amy, who has been a senior and been with me for now eight years, almost nine. And she has, she's leading and managing those people um, and also part of the standards and process review and all of that um, just because she's, she has been with me forever. But yeah, I think as the architect of that, it there's, it just takes, it takes time and you have to think about how to train, how to mentor and how to teach others. You know, we're, we're right now we've, so um, my husband joined the team and he used to work at Google (laughs) (laughs) and he is, amazing at HR and he, you know, we're going through a review process and he's like, this needs to be fixed, you know? So it's, you always want to get better. And that's one of the things it's like, as you grow, you have to get better. And that's how you retain employees is because you're continually trying to evolve and make things more efficient because that's always a, a sticking point for most people. So, you know, understanding how to get better, but knowing the people who are in charge of that, their role, and how that actually literally lifts a ton of weight off of my shoulders because I know somebody else is thinking about it. We've got somebody who actually is doing the work that I can review, look at it from a, you know, a higher perspective and say, that sounds great. This looks awesome. Um, have we thought about this? You know, and then, you know, Lindsay on my team, she's the studio director. She brings, you know, her opinion to it. But yeah, we all have a role and we, we have a director's meeting every week now. Um, so there's a lot of meetings, yes, to have meetings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, it's necessary because it, in a way, it, it forces you to talk about stuff and it makes you better because of it. You know, you had that moment you said where you were trying to decide, you know, do I want to keep growing? What do I want from this business? What are the downsides of growth? Are there things that you look back and miss about smaller, (laughs) more nimble maybe business? Yeah. I think personally me, I'm a very, I kind of thrive in chaos. And chaos isn't allowed anymore. (laughs) (laughs) No. 
that's exactly right. Yeah. And so I really had to step back and say, you know, if I want to grow, I have to be okay with the lack of chaos. And then I realized, well, there's chaos in my family, you know, you know, on the other end. So I'm sure that's, that's where I'm thriving. I would get frustrated and want to do it all and create the sketches and create the vision. And I think it was more of me letting go of the fact that like people, even though they expect to see me, they don't expect me to do everything. Mm-hmm. Clients, you mean? Clients, yeah. And knowing that I am supportive of a team actually shows that I am trying to be more efficient for them. So I realize that my purpose is I really think well on the fly and I really can sketch quickly and create a new idea if they aren't liking something. And so that's really where I I still get that to do that because that happens on every project. Um, and we get to iterate on that. And that's what I, I think learned that even though I didn't get to do that, like, and set the vision or not set the vision, but like, I don't get to do that on a daily basis. I still get to do it on site with the client. And it's actually more of my style. So many people tell me that even as they grow their firm, you know, they want that creative director role. They want to be setting the vision for every project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, where do you land on that? Or how, where do you empower your team to take some of that from you? I love setting the vision. And like I said, <laughs> like I said, it's really hard to these days because we're, I'm just in 5,000 places, yeah. not to mention, I want people happy. And so I have learned that, and I literally have said, you know what, I've had my time, I've been able to do this and I still get to, I still get to, and homes that we are really wanting to do that are going to help me fulfill a passion you know, or a, a goal that I'm trying to achieve. Those are the types that I've decided, you know what, if we can get those and do a showcase and showcase, you know, and I'm still setting the vision. I'm still, you know, I'm sketching, I'm doing all of that. That is, yeah. that's, you know, allows me to continue to get that love for it, but also allow others to do what they love. How do you balance that with the client? I know you said you're in the client meeting, but do clients understand going in, that they'll be working with someone else on your team to shape that vision. And how do you communicate that? So during the interview process, you know, people ask, you know, we we're Lindsay does a good job um, when, it, you know, in the, in the business development calls to kind of set our structure up. Cause people, that's the first thing people ask, like, do I get to work with Reagan? Do I, you know, or am I working with another senior? And so upfront, we're very upfront with that is um, Reagan's at all the design meetings. Um, she's helping set the vision. She's reviewing all of the work because I have I sit, literally every week we have meetings for all of my, all of the projects just to check in and make sure things are um, looking as good <laughs> yeah. as I want them to. Um, yes. And so I would say a lot, everybody enjoys that. The fact that they know that, I mean, some people want to work with me and we have tried that and it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just too, you know, people are wanting to just talk to me and it's like, no, I'm too busy. I mean, I hate yeah. to say it like, and these, I have amazing senior designers who are going to move the project forward. I will slow the project down. If you want to take forever, that's fine. But, right. um, you know, I just have to set that up expectation up. And, you know, there are um, past clients that I've worked with prior to um, me growing that I've still take on work and I'm a little bit more present there. But um, I do think 
uh, for sure we set that we set that up front and some people choose not to work with us because of it and that's okay coastal style is known for its relaxing and inviting nature capture that sophisticated simplicity with universal furniture's coastal living outdoor collection its casual silhouettes are paired with premium materials, including grade A teak, powder-coated aluminum, cast concrete, and all-weather wicker. Plus, you can save up to 10% on in-stock outdoor items, now through August 17th. Visit universalfurniture.com to browse items and find a participating retailer near you. Okay, so you've hired three former clients at this point. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty unique, right? Yeah. What is it about that relationship that works so well for you? I want my clients to be a part of the process. It's a very personal experience for me. The people that have come here, you know, I've definitely, I would say no matter what, and maybe it was just natural, like, hey, if you ever want a job here, you've got a job here because I love working with you. And I yeah. just say that type of stuff. So you know, for sure, maybe planted a seed. I have no idea. But Lindsay, for example, has been, she, she was the best client. I mean, amazing. Lindsay was just, she has a husband who leads a company and she has to wrangle him and she had to wrangle him for decisions. And she just was efficient. And I could tell she could synthesize information and also get answers quickly. So I was like, she's amazing. If she ever wants a job, I would love to work with her. And then my husband actually worked with her. So that was I had experienced that she was actually a, like a stellar person. So I was like, amazing. <laughs> and what does she do today at the firm? She's a studio director. Um, okay. And she um, also heads up business development as well as um, the marketing department. Okay. So she she really kind of is a jack of all trades as well. She has like the invoicing portion of where we're, you know, we have to track our time as everyone loves to do in our industry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so she helps regulate that um, for the service industries or for service side. And then um, she also is very much understanding, you know, how we bring in project, what work type of work we need, how um, she helps me facilitate conversations with, you know, staffing issues, meaning if we are too booked and too busy, how we communicate that to clients. She communicates with clients on service expectations, which we always provide an estimate up front, but kind of how we track and tr are trending, um, yeah. like on a quarterly basis. So she does a lot of that. And then she, of course, is the marketing person as well. Um, Kathleen um, is a librarian, she, our stylist also. So she, she actually enjoyed shopping with me all the time. And I took her to industry events even when she wasn't a client. So we, um, <laughs> <laughs> we just became friends and she loves to organize. And so our library is immaculate because of her, but she also helps out with like the office stuff. So she helps, you know, get answers in front of me that are needed and that I can help, you know, to keep the library up to date um, of things I want there, things that I don't. And um, she also works part-time. So another thing I will say is I love working with with women, but mothers, um, we provide a lot of flexibility for moms. Um, you know, you can, you have to, you know, you kind of need to know and be self-led and know, know how to um, direct yourself. But when your kids get sick, you got to go, you know? And so yeah. um, I think a lot of that, you know, the two and the Allie who was with me prior, all of them are moms. And so the empathy of, of understanding about, you know, flexibility and being able to be present for family and um, knowing that how, knowing how to lead a team with, with family and 
puppies, dogs, whatever, but to have yeah. that, um, you know, leadership focus, I think is also one of the reasons why um, they probably wanted to join here as well. <laughs> so Allie, um, I would say, who was helped me start, she actually, she saw the, how we could get better and wanted to create that organization and really help with the growth aspect of my firm. Now we're refining, kind of set new, set the vision, but Allie was definitely, I would say just, yeah, she for sure was um, a person who enjoyed the process, wanted to keep sourcing and knew that, and she had kids, she was having her first baby, um, knew that that was important to me as well. What is it like to bring your husband onto the team? At first, when I first started, I was like, there is no way I could work with him. Um, <laughs> It's hard because, um, you know, I think from the very, very beginning, though, my husband has known this is this is my thing. I loved it. I ran track in college and I did architecture, interior architecture, whatever, interior design school. But um, and then I had Jace. <laughs> and so I was constantly penciling him into my calendar of when we actually could meet. And so he kind of knew what he was getting into. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's evolved with me and has always been somebody in the background that nobody has ever thought about being present, but he's always been there. And just having him come on board and take care of the financial portion of it that I don't have to even think about it anymore. I'm like, how much is that going to cost? And he can do that now. It's a game changer. And, um, I think it's, you know, there's, of course, with marriage and working together, there's challenges, but I am, I do, I work a lot and he is the father to our children and he is the one who is now responsible for taking the kids to practice and all of that. Um, and I, I work and it works really well. And I think the flexibility of him having that, um, it allows me to not feel as guilty and know that we have somebody taking care of them as well. So it's like finances. He's also able to be a lot more flexible, even though he was at Google, it was pretty flexible, but it is a little different. And then um, I think just the game changer of the, you know, he also provides a voice of reason. Um, he's, he is our HR person now too, because he's really good at um, seeing everybody's worth and why and making sure that we're keeping that in front of us. Um, so he's, he's been really, I think, a game changer on that aspect as well. What is the biggest kind of personal growth lesson you've learned as your team has grown? As much as I like to be decisions on the go and, and on the fly, really setting up a schedule and a plan of action is the only way to achieve a goal and just to make sure your purpose is being achieved. And that's that just takes takes planning. And I think that's hard when you're somebody who does like to you know, shoot off the hip, you know, jump in and help. <laughs> jump yeah, in yeah. And help. It can be actually detrimental if you say, I'm going to do this. And then you're like, everybody's like, wait, Reagan's doing what now? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually not helpful, Reagan. I'm like, okay, okay. So stepping back, I always, you know, I always insert myself and then I quickly say, okay, I'm not going to insert myself. What does leveling up look like to you now? Where do you see opportunities when you look ahead? Um, I'd say, probably doing a project or a concept that I've always wanted to do. So like I, I've had an idea house or even a project overseas that I think would be um, allowing us to stretch 
understanding logistics, understanding the vendors in Europe, understanding how we do that. So I think leveling up is really getting um, to a place where we can take on those opportunities and as a firm learn from them and also be a place where people are excited about that growth and possibility opportunity. When you look back, what is one thing you know now that you wish you had known when you launched your firm? Probably that growth is slow (laughs) and (laughs) you can't just quickly, it just takes time, a lot more time than we all think, even, you know, projects, right? But it is, you know, as you're trying to understand kind of how you work and how you want to grow and where you want to be and who you are and your purpose, you um, you really have to know that that does, does, it just takes time and know when to pivot if you are, if you aren't, you know, happy with certain things or actually too, and making sure you have somebody alongside you that is, has got your back. Are there moments where you felt like you were growing in the wrong direction and had to sort of like backtrack and find a new path forward? I mean, there were definitely moments where I would say that, you know, we were going through quick and I think this is, you know, probably a pandemic thing, but yeah, we had, we had to hire people. I mean, as you probably know, it was crazy for our industry. It was insane. It yeah. Was so insane. And so we had to hire people and we had to hire people over Zoom. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think had I, you know, known that being in person with somebody to hire and maybe we just needed to say no. <laughs> right. More. Right. But yeah, I think that that is, I think I realized you have to be in person for an interview. You have to not just hire somebody because you need somebody. You need to make sure they that your roles and responsibilities are defined. And, you know, we, I think I mentioned this, we went from two people to four people a team, but we went from not having any structure. And then during the pandemic, I had to, because we couldn't be, you know, plug and play. We had to kind of have set dedicated people because people were getting irritated because people were pulling people from other, you know, projects and nobody was on the same project as one senior designer. We had other people helping out. So it was just really important for us to dedicate three different individual teams to run their projects and have dedicated people for them. Um, So I I do think that having one of the things that I, you know, had wish I'd known is it's structure structure is, is actually, I mean, but I do think you have to be nimble and you have like, as you're growing, you kind of have to all do it. Right. But I think I also now know that like, don't get frustrated because a process you used to have now is not working. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. I'm going to take that home with me tonight and really see what I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) (laughs) You can't get upset. Like things have to change and you have to be okay with it. And processes, yes, you get, and you put so much time and effort in these processes, but they're going to have to change. What does success look like for you today? Being able to take the projects I want (laughs) Um, and also, but I also think, you know, one of the things is, you know, in our industry is we've got a lot of moms, people decide they don't want to be working in moms anymore. So I think my, my goal now is to really make sure we're honing in. I think that success is honing in on helping people achieve dreams in being moms and being, being able to do other things outside of our job that can keep us fulfilled and excited about 
helping others. What does that require of you? Or how does that require you to think differently about what having a job means or running a firm means? I think 40 hours is the the standard, right? Right. That means that we're planning around people who want to work 30 hours. And so what does that team structure look like? Does everyone work 30 hours? I just want people to know, I think that the flexibility component is is important. And, you know, as much as the, we have a 3-2 schedule too at our office and it's really more for flexibility. A lot of people come in for four days a week. Some people, I come in five, I'm, I'm always there. But if you're, if you're a mom if, or if you just, we all have other stuff that we have to do. And even if you're not a parent, you have other stuff that you need to get done or take care of that are important. And being able to have life outside of work and the flexibility to be able to come in and out, it, it's, it's, I would say probably one of the most challenging things as somebody who's been brought up. I mean, I'm from Texas and everybody, you come in, you do your 40 hours, you clock in, you work all the time, especially to somebody who works all the time. Yeah. I expect a lot, but I can't expect that. It's my company. <laughs> right. You know, I cannot expect that. From, in fact, I don't want that because it's not healthy. And so I think that is something that, you know, as, as a success, making sure I'm, I'm, I need to always check myself on that. And so, and so it's become a goal. It's become a goal of making sure our, whoever is hired, everybody feels like they can do that. And you know, we're even thinking about changing our timesheet structure because it feels so, you know, it's yeah. kind of ridiculous. So we're, we're, you know, constantly trying to evolve like how we can make this better and, ha- and create a culture that, you know, everybody wants to stay here and then gets to, you know, kind of do other things outside of design. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, if you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news, more great podcasts, check out new products, or browse job openings, head on over to businessofhome.com. If you have a note for the show or a story of your own to share, I'd love to hear from you. And you can email me at tradetales at businessofhome.com. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others discover the show. Trade Tales is produced by me, Caitlin Peterson, with Fred Nicolaus and Caroline Burke. This episode was edited by Caroline Burke and Michael Castaneda. Our theme music is by Kyle Scott Wilson. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again 